Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Okay. There it is. <laughs> you ready? Yeah, it's working now. Yeah, hopefully we could turn it off and on. You know, like yesterday. Go ahead. Yeah, whenever yeah. you get a chance. Yeah, what do you want? All right, we're gonna we're gonna start off talking about. Well, I'm gonna use the same exact format we did the other day, okay? Because yes, it yeah. was a really good show. I'm just I'm just really because <coughs> my cold is coming back or whatever that is. And so, yeah, I'm just hoping I'm in good voice, but yeah, well, content is most it, important. We to, yeah, we got to right, do there. it, man. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to an all-new edition of War Week Radio. And guys, this is our big fight preview of this weekend's events. And we wouldn't have a Gogi's big fight preview without the uh, the man himself, three-decade fight trainer, the one and only Mr. James Gogi. James, how are you doing this uh, today, sir? Hey, I'm great. I'm doing great, Joe. I'm doing great. I'm excited this week where they have uh, two great fights, one on Showtime, one on HBO, competing against uh, each other, which, uh, you know, I really just don't understand these idiots <laughs> putting, you know, good fights, uh, trying to battle it out uh, to see who gets the best ratings. But, uh, man, the fight in Vegas with uh, Frampton and Santa Cruz, the rematch, uh, the co-main event in that fight. With that Dijon and Mikey Garcia, that should be a smoker. Then over there in uh, mm. Fantasy Springs Casino, where you know our good friend, uh, you know, of the show War Week, Hall of Fame boxing promoter War Week Don Targan, he'll be going over there uh, to watch. Uh, what do you call it? The guy with tremendous defensive skills, uh, Francisco Vargas. <laughs> you know, fighting Miguel Burchett. <laughs> and that other, and that other great uh, defensive great, uh, star in boxing. Uh, Mira, you know, the guy that blocks punches <laughs> with his face. Yeah, he, he's fighting uh, uh, Miguel Roman. Ah, damn, Joe. Two great fights at the same time. Man, you know, what the heck's going on? Yeah, you know, and, and it stinks because right now networks are really struggling. Boxing, boxing is really struggling on both networks in terms of attracting viewers. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the the first big, I guess, major fight card, which was Badu Jack versus James DeGaulle, um, peaked at only maybe four and a half as far as, I think, 450,000 viewers. What? Really? Which, yeah, it only peaked at 450,000 viewers. Oh. That's, yeah, that's not good, Gogi. That's not good. I mean, think about where Showtime used to be in 2013. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, millions. You know, a million. Millions. Exactly. Consistently. Consistently pulling between 800,000 and over a million. Right? Um, and then now you look, boy, they're, they're consistently getting between three and 400,000 
450000 is excellent, but not for the first card of the year. Mm-hmm. And now that you have competition with HBO on the same weekend, and they're two great fight cards, yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's, I think it's safe to say that both networks are going to suffer in terms of ratings, which really doesn't bode well for the sport of boxing. Mm. So, guys, if you can, go support both cards. Uh, we're going to start off by, well, we're going to say the elite-level matchup. Um, in uh, in the at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, which in my opinion, it's one of the best matchups that you can make in boxing, and it's the rematch between Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton, the Jackal. Obviously, Carl Frampton actually got the better of the exchanges and won the first fight, justifiably so. Can he do it again at uh, in a neutral, seemingly neutral area? of MGM Grand, and will the site make a difference this time? We're going to talk to Gogi about that at the tail end of the show. We're going to start off, though, guys, by previewing the HBO program that's going to be held at the Fantasy Springs Casino, and the main event is going to be WBC 130-pound champion Francisco Vargas defending his title against the very hard-punching Miguel Burkelt. So, uh, Gogi, What's good about this fight, man? <laughs> oh, it's a fight, okay? Uh, you, got, you, got, you got Francisco Vargas. Every time he's in a fight, it's a fight of the year candidate. And that Burchelt guy, boy, he ain't scared to mix it up. So when you got two guys, Joe, with that physically aggressive mentality that like to get it on, oh, you know, styles make fights. Well, styles make great fights, and I think this is going to be a, a, a great fight. Because uh, especially because of Vargas's lack of defense and his uh, and his high punch volume uh, output uh, he puts on uh, on his opponents during a fight and everything. So, oh yeah, that fight over there in Fantasy Springs uh, that's going to be a sizzler along with that uh, other uh, guy who uh, co uh, co uh, heading the main event, uh, Mira. Well, oh, everybody Takashi knows Mira. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody it knows, almost seems. Everybody knows when Mira fought. Everybody knows when Mira fought uh, Vargas. It was a fight of the year too. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're referring to the uh, to the fight with Akashi Mira that was in November of 2015, and it was the co-main event of Canelo versus Cotto. And to be honest with you, yeah, Golden Boy in retrospect really made Cotto Canelo almost seem lackluster in comparison. But yeah. that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. You know, that, that's what happens when you put something like that, you stage something that includes Fernando Vargas, or Francisco Vargas, rather, and Takashi Mira. That was a brilliant fight. Um, and he sustained a lot of damage, even though that was his title-winning effort. He took the title from Mira. And then you fast-forward to June of 2016, last year, in which... He went, well, 12 rounds with Orlando Salido to a majority draw in which he maintained his, his status yeah. as uh, as WBC 130-pound champion. But, um, you know, he sustained a lot of damage in that fight as well. Gogi, uh, two fight of the years, justifiably giving that, giving that moniker of fight of the year in both years consecutively, Francisco Vargas, is that kind of punishment finally going to catch up to him? Um, and are we going to see that on Saturday night? Joe, 
when you get hit, hit as much as he does, man, you know, you're, the human body ain't made to take that type of punishment, okay? It's like getting in a car wreck every time, okay? Every time you wreck your car, you know, eventually it's not going to work. Same with the human body. Uh, the amount of punches he takes on his face, oh, my God, yeah. And the, and the damage he does to his face and body. No, you're not only his face, Joe. You know, his brain's getting hit, okay? It's going to slow. You're eventually, you're going to slow down. It's just, you know, it's just the nature of the business, man. You know, uh, you just can't be taking that kind of punishment. And Vargas, I'd say he's got this year and maybe next year, and that's it for him. You know, he, plus he's over 32, Joe. So, man, you know, he better pick out the fights that's going to make him the most money than get the heck out. Because he's going to be just like, a, you know, Alfredo Angulo. Oh, goodness. Perish the thought. But, yeah, it's yeah. – uh, or you could say Brandon Rios. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Joe, you don't oh, have longevity. Oh, gracious. Them type of fighters don't have longevity in the business. It's the, you know, it's just the nature of the business, you know. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's no way around it. When you're in this position where you are the WBC man, you are the champion, the WBC champion in that weight division, yeah, you're expected to fight the best. And promoters and networks, they want great matchups. Francisco Vargas, they do not want to pair him up against a slick boxer puncher. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they want great matchups. They want all-action matchups, ones that the casual and mainstream fans um, possibly will, will, will be attracted to. So this is what you yeah. get. And, yeah. yes, it creates for a very, very short um, window of opportunity within the sport of boxing. Um, you're not going to see him have a 20-year career like Mayweather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so, yes, that's what we're looking forward to. So let's rattle off the tail of the tape for the incumbent WBC champion, Francisco Vargas. He comes into the ring at the, well, ripe old age of 32, Gogi. He stands 5 foot 8 inches tall, uh, fights behind a 70-inch reach from Mexico City, Mexico. He comes into the ring with an undefeated record, uh, 23 wins, 0 losses, 2 draws, 17 wins coming by way of knockout. Uh, what are the strengths and weaknesses of El Bandido, Francisco Vargas? Strengths of uh, El Bandito, he's a volume pressure fighter. Okay, Joe? He just keeps on putting that heat on you, uh, putting that pressure on you, uh, waiting for your pipes to break, okay? That's the type of fighter mm -hmm. he is. Uh, those beautiful combinations to the body and head, head, body, uh, in the pocket, okay, Joe? That's where he likes to fight. Uh, you don't see him trying to box like Sugar Ray Leonard or Pernell Whitaker at the outside. <laughs> That's not his style. His style mm -hmm. is uh, he'll fill you out uh, for a few uh, uh, then he'll, uh, you know, start attacking you, you know, uh, in the pocket. That's what he likes to do. He likes to ground and pound on you, okay? Uh, like I said, he throws beautiful combinations in the pocket. The uppercuts, the hooks, uh, the body shots, and he puts them in combinations together beautifully to the body and head, head, body, okay? Uh, he had, you know, he had a great amateur background. You know, he was a two-time Mexican Olympian, won two Olympics, okay? That has, that has uh, uh, a lot to do with where he's at right now. Uh, just a you know tough, gritty, hard-nosed, uh, old-school Mexican fighter. Uh, you don't find now. You don't find nowadays uh, a, a lot of them nowadays. Back in the past, there was a, oh, they were everywhere. But nowadays, you know, different era of fighters and uh, fighters are more softer. Uh, 
a lot of them, uh, you know, you can see the majority of them don't fight like that, uh, that animal Vargas, you know. So, but, you know, his weaknesses, of course, you know, is his defense. God, at least he's, hmm. you, know, you know, he blocks punches <laughs> with his face consistently. Uh, he doesn't have a good head movement. He doesn't know how to block punches correctly with his gloves. He doesn't have, uh, you know, real proficient footwork moving in and out of range or moving in circles, moving at angles to get hit less. You know, Joe, he doesn't work his jab proficiently. Uh, uh, a lot to, you know, to prevent him from getting hit. And, you know, it's just not his style, you know what I mean? Uh, he, you know, Joe, like I said, you know, he's just a, a physically uh, aggressive, uh, in-your-face, ground-and-pound type of fighter, like uh, like El Gran Campeon, Julio Cesar Chavez <laughs> Sr. So, but, uh, yeah, that's, his, well, yeah, that's, you know, what, that's it's, what he it's, is. Uh... And that's why he has the respect of the boxing business, Joe, uh, the way he fights. Oh. People want to see him. He's must-see TV. Absolutely, and it's a damn shame he doesn't have the leathery, I guess, naga hide type skin. <laughs> yeah, like, like that like, El uh, Gran Campeon had. <laughs> yeah, Chavez Sr. had that leather skin, you know, that cow hide leather skin where you could hit him. He don't mark up, <laughs> he don't cut. And, uh, unbelievable, Julio. God given, God given jaw, thick skull. You know, that stuff right there, Joe, you can't. You can't teach that. That's either God gives it to you or he doesn't. Some guys might have, you know, look at Jorge Linares, beautiful talent, athleticism. But he marks up easy, he cuts easy, and he has a, you know, a fragile jaw, jaw a fragile jaw. God didn't bless him with the, you know, with the, with the skull, uh, the architect of a, <laughs> uh, of a skull like Chavez Sr. or the skin like Chavez Sr. That's God-given, man. Uh, you know, that's God-given. Indeed. So it's going to be interesting to see, well, if those cuts have healed, if that, if his skin actually holds up under the firepower of the title challenger, Miguel Burkelt. And we're going to rattle off to tell the tape for the title challenger, Miguel Burkelt. He comes into the ring at age 25. He fights out of the orthodox stance, stands five foot seven inches tall, fights behind a 71 inch reach from Merida, Mexico. He uh, comes into the ring with a very impressive res- uh, record of 30 wins, one loss, 27 big wins coming by way of knockout. This guy can crack, but Gogi, what of his opposition? I mean, yes, resumes are only contingent on your opportunities, right? You're only going to have as many bones under your resume as the opportunities that you're given, but... yeah. Is this gentleman, is this going to be a competitive fight? Because the odds are, I mean, this looks like almost even money, Gogi. According to most race and sports books, do the, do the odds makers have this one right? Or is there something maybe that they're not taking into consideration when they're looking at Miguel Burkelt's resume? Is resume a factor here? Uh, you know, if you look at Bel- Bel- uh, Belcher's record, I haven't looked at it, but, you know, what, every time I see a fighter, 90% of them, 95% of them fighters from Mexico with a built-up knockout ratio, uh, I mean, uh, built-up knockout record, you know, uh, you know, I question it, okay, because a lot of the commissions, you know, the commissions over there are soft, okay? When, you know, for example, I had a guy who I thought was one of the biggest frauds I ever worked with. Nah, he was the biggest fraud I ever worked with. 
Okay. Uh, Leonilo Miranda. I worked with him one fight. When I got him, when I got him, it was back in I don't know 2008. He was 30 and 0 with 28 knockouts, and I was very suspicious about the guy. And uh, I'm like, man, this guy ain't good. This guy doesn't isn't as good as his record uh, is advertised. So I, I checked him out on Box Rec. I'm like, oh god, like I suspected when he was, you know, like. 18th fight, he was fighting guys 1 and 17. 21st fight, fighting guys 3 and 12. I mean, man, you know what? Commissions in Nevada, California, Texas, New York, Florida, they wouldn't, they wouldn't approve crap like that, okay? Commissions over here are a lot stricter on who you fight, who your opposition is, you know, when you're fighting, okay? Uh, over there in Mexico and uh, in, in, uh, the third world countries, oh, man, they're a lot less slack than, than there are over here. So that's why you see a lot of these guys from Mexico with their built-up records, okay? People don't know that, okay? But, you know, I fight in Mexico a lot, and I've been in the business a long time, and, uh, you know, I, I, I know that. And that's what this Burke, you know, this Burchett is. You know, I think he you – know, I haven't looked at his record, but I suspect highly – I highly suspect that uh, his record is built up, built up on uh, uh, that soft opposition. But then again, don't be fooled. I might have had a fraud – but, you know, the, uh, uh, guys like Julio Cesar Chavez, Zarate, uh, you know, uh, they fought that type of level of composition they were, when they were coming up too. But, they're, you know, hey, you can see how they are and everything. So, even, you know, even though they have these uh, built-up records, uh, you know, you, you know, hey, you might just get that, you know, that uh, uh, superstar, you know, uh, the next superstar coming out of Mexico. But when I, you know, I took a look at Belcher, he's a tough kid. Sharp puncher, you know, uh, and I can see why the odds are this close because of the fact, you know, this uh, this Belcher, sharp puncher, uh, you know, he probably can hit Joe. You know, he he's probably a decent puncher. And main thing is, you know, Vargas's lack of defense. Okay, that's why it, uh, they're making the odds much closer and everything. And these people that make these odds, you know, they ain't no dummies. You know, you know, they see something that hey, maybe this. Vargas fight because he gets hit a lot, he can get beat. So they don't want to put a, you know, make it four or five to one, and every put their money, everybody put their money on Belcher, and then they lose their ass. You know, casinos don't do that; they're in it to make money. So you know, I think the biggest reason Joe this fight so close is because of Vargas's lack of defense and how he's gotten, uh, you know, uh, took a beating the last couple of fights, and they know that hey, your your body can't take this kind of punishment. You know, one day it's just going to shut down. Well, that's the question, guys, and we're going to take a look at it. Uh, what are the keys to victory for Francisco Vargas? What does he have to do to keep from getting hit? Because I don't care who you are. I don't care how good your chin is. You get hit enough times by a big puncher like Miguel Burkelt, you're going to get knocked out. Gogi, what are the keys to victory from Francisco Vargas? What does he have to do to keep from losing this title? to the uh, very sharp, punchy Mexican, uh, Mexican national. Oh, just be Francisco Vargas. Fights the way, uh, fights, uh, the way he uh, normally fights. So you, you don't want to change his style. You don't want to make him uh, a finesse fighter because, you know, when you do that, uh, he's going to fight less effectively. Just, hey, just do, do, do what he does. Ground and pound on you. Wear you down. Uh, put that pressure on you. Break your pipes, okay? Like they say in boxing, you know, pressure breaks pipes, and that's what Vargas likes to do. Uh, just, you know, uh, 
Get in the pocket consistently. Uh, don't fight a range on this guy because this guy, you know, from what I see, he looked pretty sharp, you know, uh, with sharp right hands, uh, the jab, you know, the hooks and everything. But if you get him in the pocket, uh, I think Vargas has an advantage and everything. He might, he might have the advantage, okay, uh, because of, uh, you know, the volume of uh, punches he puts together in the pocket. Uh, the combinations, the short hooks, the uppercuts, the body shots, just ground and pound on this Ground and pound on this guy, Joe, and just wear on him, okay? Wear him down as the rounds go on. Because even though, you know, like I said, this guy has a big knockout ratio and got one of them uh, flashy records. He hadn't fought the level of competition Vargas has fought at. And Vargas's big amateur background, all those tough fights he had in, the, you know, the amateurs at the highest level, the uh, international scene, you know, hey, it, uh, mentally – uh, it took him to another level. So if, if the fight gets tough, you know, Vargas' his past experiences, you know, can uh, help him out in grinding out this tough victory against uh, Burchett, you know. And uh, like I said, this, it's, it's going to be an intriguing fight, you know, and because of that, Vargas' lack of defense, you know, you know, the fans out there are going to be uh, getting the fight they want to see and everything. So, but yeah, Joe. Yeah, that's only that's the only thing I'm concerned about is Vargas' lack of defense. And once you get cut like that guy, and once you get cut like he does all the, uh, every fight, it's gonna continue. As soon as he gets hit, boom, it's gonna open. You know what I mean? So you gotta be uh, you gotta be uh, you know uh, on your toes because anytime during the fight, them cuts can open and uh, that momentum can shift to uh, Burchett and uh, uh, you know put some combinations together. Uh-huh. And the cuts can open open up bigger. Indeed. So what are the keys to victory for the title challenger, Miguel Burkelt? Um, yeah, it, it's, it, would it be wise to get into a, is it an advantage or a disadvantage to get into a slugging contest with the, uh, well, the very capable incumbent champion, Francisco Vargas? I don't think, uh, okay, getting in the slugging uh, contest with this guy, I don't think it's to his advantage because Vargas, I think he could pick, he could fight at that pace, you know, for 12 mm. rounds. You know what I mean? Mm. That high punch volume output. And I think Burkett, uh, he can, he'll, he'll be able to fight, but not, not with the duration, uh, with, not with the long durations, round after round after round, like uh, this uh, Vargas could do. I think best, he, he, Joe, when you're fighting a tough guy like Vargas, okay, he's like a tough piece of meat. Uh, a frozen piece of meat that you just took out of the freezer. You know, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta tenderize it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta tenderize it. You gotta, li- you gotta let it thaw out. Okay, uh, you gotta marinate it before you put in the, uh, put, before you put it in the oven and bake it. He's gotta break this guy down. Okay, Burkett, uh, you know, I would do it with, you know, number one, a good jab, working on that face, working on opening them cuts. Okay, Joe, that's what I would do. You know. Cuts like those, you know, Joe, and work on opening them up and working on, work on getting them bigger and bigger. <laughs> you know, work on opening up, opening them up and work on opening up bigger and bigger by, you know, smashing them with jabs, right hands, left hooks from distance. Uh, Vargas is a hard-charging bull. Will be the matador in the fight, you know. You know, use angles, side steps to counter them coming in. Uh, uh, walk, in walk them into shots coming in with a short right hand, short uppercut, check counter left hooks. Uh, uh, the jabs and stuff like that, okay? That's what you want to do uh, to Vargas, you know? Uh, fight intelligently. Uh, fight intelligently. Don't take a lot of... Don't get into a, a, a slug test early with this guy because, uh, you know, it's going to be in his favor. But, you know, and what, you know what, if you have the opportunity 
to keep hitting them. Them cuts are going to open and then work on them. And, uh, you know, work on them, mean keep on <laughs> busting them up. And, uh, hey, Vargas is a bull. He's a, he's a, he's a Mack truck, runaway Mack truck when he comes at you. Uh, how do you slow, how do you slow a big Mack truck down, Joe? You flatten the tires. How do you flatten the tires? Mm. Good body shots, okay? Every, every, every tough pressure fighter, uh, you slow down with body shots, you flatten his tires, you take some steam out of them. You know, stuff like that, Joe. That's intelligent. You know, that ain't, that ain't that machoism just going there and brawling with the guy. No. Yeah, you, you got it's intelligence. It's boxing IQ, breaking a guy down, the, uh, breaking a guy down, the breakdown process. Okay, like Denny Golovkin does uh, when he when he uh, when he fights intelligently, like when he fought David Lemieux. It's a breakdown process, and the breakdown process is you got to have good boxing IQ. You got to you got to see uh, things in the ring. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, what's working for you? What uh, what's slowing them down? Maybe, it might be those body shots. It might be them sharp combinations. Uh, it might be them cuts that he's uh, accumulating in the fight. You know, it's, you, uh, you got to look at this nonverbal action. So he just ain't going to tell you, oh, my God, you hit me, you hurt me with that body shot. Oh, you know, Vargas is a guy. <laughs> he has a poker face. You know what I mean? You, you ain't going to know. Uh, oh, man, that punch hurt. Oh, man, man, that, this cut, oh, my God, it's getting, it's getting worse and it's affecting me. Nah, these, them guys ain't going to tell you. Uh, you know what I mean? But their body language will. So he's got to look at his body language and everything. And, and uh, you know, Joe, the only way you know, I see him winning this fight is him stopping Vargas on cuts. That's the only way. Uh, and, uh, you know, the ref, referee will call it. But I just can't, you know, oh, Vargas is like a defense too, man. Jeez, like I said, he can get hurt in this fight. He may be getting knocked out. But, uh, well, you know, that's a low probability. But, that's what I would do with uh, Burchot's uh, coaches, you know. You know, I don't know who trains the guy, too. You know, the Mexican coaches. Oh, Jesus. Uh, you know, they don't <laughs> understand the sweet science of boxing. You know, they don't understand footwork, the angles, uh, countering at angles, keep turning them, being the matador, being intelligent, uh, fight, uh, fighting with a high boxing IQ, you know, uh, slowing them down with good body shots, you know, stuff like that. Mexican fighters are here's, – here's the advice of Mexican trainers, you know. With their fighters getting the shit kicked out of them, the fight they get to the corner, they start yelling at the fighter. You gotta throw mm. more punches. You gotta throw more oh punches. Oh my gosh, I can't I mean, stand that. I mean, look, when Vasily Lomachenko fought that one guy from Mexico, it, uh, that fighter I can't remember his name. His daddy was a trainer. He that dude Lomachenko was beating the shit out of that guy. And what did the daddy do when he got back in the corner? You gotta throw more punches, son. You gotta throw more punches. Oh my God, that's what was getting them the shit beat out of them. Okay, because Lomachenko <laughs> was working off his aggressiveness and, and, and moving at angles and countering at angles. Uh, you know, uh, exploiting that guy's over aggressiveness. You know, you know, Joe. You gotta, you know, when you get first thing I see, if my fighter's getting hit, Joe, in the corner, a lot. I'm first thing I see in the corner. If my fighter's getting hit during the fight, during the round. Round ends, I get I get them back in the corner, take a deep breath, relax, get your wind back. First thing I tell them, make that a defensive adjustment. Hey, man, we're getting hit by that right hand too much, you know. Then we make that, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll adjust to the – we'll, we'll uh, apply a defensive uh, tactic accordingly. Like maybe, hey, that left hand, you know, your, your left hand is too low. You got to bring it up, okay. You're not blocking that left hand 
uh, effectively with your, you know, with uh, you're not blocking uh, that guy's right, uh, your opponent's right hand with your left, with your left hand effectively. Another thing I would, I have him do, hey, move your head, uh, bob and weave, okay, uh, you know, stuff like that. Hey, use your footwork, move out of range, you know. It depends on the talent of the fighter I have. If I have a guy that's, you know, doesn't have real good footwork, hey, keep your hands up real tight. High guard defense, like winky right, covering your face. You know, them gloves covering your face so you don't get hit by them solid right hands. Okay, a lot of guys, oh, man, that coach ain't telling them to move his head and this and that. Well, a lot of fighters can't move their head. They just ain't got the athletic talent to do it. Or they ain't got the reflexes to see those punches coming in, Joe. Okay? They, some fighters are not blessed with reflexes where they can, ooh, just slip it like Floyd Mayweather, uh, Wilfred Benitez. So you got to work on, uh, you know, when fighters are not blessed with good, great athleticism, uh, you know, that limits your uh, options on defense you could teach them. So you got to work, you know, you got to apply the defense that's going to work. You know, stuff like that, Joe, I would I'd tell them, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, number one is make that a defensive adjustment. Qu- quit getting hit by that damn right hand or it's not going to be a long, it's not the fighting going to last much longer. Or if he's getting hit by that jab, you know, make that defensive adjustment. That's what I do, Joe. But you, you see Mexican trainers nowadays, oh, jeez. Defense. <laughs> Defense. <laughs> what the fuck is that? You know, like, 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 like that video Roger Mayweather made a few years ago when the guy asked him, what is, well, you know, if Leonard Ellerby's, uh, you know, uh, you know, he, t- uh, he told Roger Leonard Ellerby's the CEO of uh, Mayweather Promotions, and Roger Mayweather looked at him like, CEO? What the fuck is that? They don't understand oh, defense. A lot of them don't. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is scheduled for 12 rounds. That's your main event of the evening uh, this Saturday, January 28th, and it's going to be held at the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. Now, Gogi, uh, my bout sheet does not have a third man in the ring listed. I don't see the the referee who's going to be the referee in charge here, but does this even matter? Is the third man in the ring, the referee, going to be actually a factor in this fight? Because... Correct me if I'm wrong, Gogi. If you're a referee, this is a dream assignment. I mean, he might as well just, just you know, camp out in the corner or something and just watch the fight. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's good. I, think he's, I don't think he's – the only thing he's going to be needed is to see whether or not a cut is actually uh, uh, yeah, created by a headbutt or a punch. I think that's the only thing. Or in count knockdowns. That, that's all he's going to be needed to do. So, yeah, so Gogi, yeah. Um, yeah, is the ref going to be a factor in this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you get referees like, you know, uh, Jack Reese, you know, they let you fight, and, you know, uh, who was it? Uh, Golly, I can't remember these refs' names. My, my mind went blank. But there's a lot of great referees in California. They, you know, they, they, you know, they just they do their job. And if a fight is going on and it has a good ebb and flow of action, they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, uh, you know, interfere, you know, excessively like some of these refs, like some of these refs do, you know, to get the attention of the TV, you know, they're, some, you know, some refs are camera whores, okay, basically. They like mm-hmm. that attention. So, you know, they'll, they'll screw up the good ebb and flow action of a fight, you know, just to get in there and, uh, you know, do their thing and all this BS. But, nah, these fighters, nah, you ain't going to, like I said, I've talked to you about this before, Joe. I've talked to you about this before in the past. Uh you're not going to have to police these fighters. These fighters will police themselves. Meaning, when the fight gets in the in, in, in the in the in the trenches, 
you know, if they if they they're not gonna purposely tie each other up like Andre Ward does. Oh God. Mm. Okay. Okay. They're not gonna purposely <laughs> tie each tie each other up. But if they do get accidentally tied up in the clenches, they're gonna police themselves. Meaning they're gonna work their way out of it. You know, they're gonna ex- extricate their arms from each other and go back to work in the pocket. Okay. That's how old school fighters used to fight in the past. You never see all this excess clinching like these bitches do nowadays, okay? They get in the pocket first thing they do, they, you know, all they do is grab and hold, grab and hold, grab and hold, okay? They think it's a skill set. You know, grabbing and clinching purposely and excessively is against the rules, okay? But some of these damn referees nowadays, you know, or they're starting to get it now. They're starting to enforce it better now, I see, okay? But, you know, for a while, they weren't enforcing that rule. And, and, these two warriors, you know, they're like old, uh, they're, uh, especially Vargas. He's old school, you know. Uh, you know, he, you know, he don't want to tie you up or, or 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 clinch with you excessively. You know what I mean? He wants to get it on. Uh, the old school fighters, Joe, they were like that. I noticed. You know, I'm Matthew Saad Muhammad against uh, Yaki Lopez. Uh, Saad Muhammad against uh, Dwight. You know, Camden Budsaw, Braxton, A.K.A. Dwight Kwai, you know, I mean, Rosario, Edwin Rosario against uh, Jose Luis Ramirez, Chapo Rosario against Chavez Sr. You didn't see all this excess holding and crap like now, you see? Them guys fought when the fight, you know, on the outside, when they were boxing out on the outside, when the fight trans- transitioned into the pocket, you know, they didn't start grabbing and kissing and holding each other. They continued to fight on the pocket, <laughs> Okay. There wasn't this break in action in uh, uh, ebb and, There wasn't a break in the ebb and flow action of a good fight. That's what a good fight is, Joe. Okay. Now, you know, geez, these damn fighters—they just don't know how to fight. You know, I guess all that fancy Mayweather work they're doing is—they're not teaching them how to fight. You know, uh, <laughs> like, like real pros. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, uh, the only concern I have as far as the third man in the ring goes, and if you go back to, and, you know, I guess it's not too much of a concern, I don't think, but something maybe to look out for. When you look at Pat Russell's job in the very first yeah. Brandon Rios-Mike Alvarado right, fight in California you know, back in 2012, well, if you look at the judges' scorecards, the, the fight was all knotted up. Two of the three refs, at ringside, had the fight scored 57-57, right? And that's going into the uh, seventh and final round. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that, as soon as Mike Alvarado got hurt, staggered back into the ropes, well, wasn't defending himself. Pat Russell stepped in and did what he thought was best and called a halt to the bout. So you look at his treatment of a war like this, and then you look at Frank Cappuccino's treatment of the famous Arturo Gatti versus Mickey Ward one. Um, well, let's hope we see Frank Cappuccino's <laughs> interpretation of the action and his willingness to allow these guys to put on a show. Um, yeah, yeah. This is going to be on regular subscriber HBO. Um, I know that may sound a little brutal, Gogi, but what's your take on that, sir? Yeah. Hey, man, that's why you buy a ticket to these fights, man. Look, Marvin Hagler, I remember in the 80s, I vividly remember uh, him saying, you know, there's two reasons why people buy tickets to a fight. Number one, blood. Number two, knockouts. 
Okay. <laughs> Marvin Hagler said that back in the eighties, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and it's a blood sport, and you got blood, blood sport, uh, blood hungry fans that you know want to go, uh, uh, you know, watch this violence. You know what I mean? Joe, it's a different, you know, uh, Joe, it's a t- different type of a sport from all, you know any other sport out there. Okay, uh, it's mm-hmm. it's a bloodthirsty hurt uh, sport. Yeah, like like Mike Tyson said, we're in the hurt business. Okay, so. That's the uh, way it is, and uh, you know, if you ain't got the stomach for this, uh, man, maybe you should go uh, play, uh, you know, women's tennis. You know, uh, they're taking they're, they're taking applications right now, I hear. So, <laughs> well, I, I tell you what. So there's your main event, guys. It's, <laughs> it's going to be broadcast on HBO World Championship Boxing um, at the at the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California with a 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific start time. In the co-main event of the evening, boy, this is a great matchup as well. You've got the very hard-headed and hard-punching Takashi Mura taking on Mr. Miguel Roman. Gogi, first off, uh, is HBO and Golden Boy setting up a rematch between Takashi Mura and Francisco Vargas? I've been waiting for another one. Uh, Is that the case here, Gogi? That's what they usually do when they put two guys on the same card. But there's another warrior out there, my buddy Sean Gibbons, has that wants that rematch with uh, Vargas, and his name is Orlando Salido. So uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the fight, you know, to uh, to to lobby, uh, you know, to lobby HBO to give him that fight and everything, you know. So hey, either or, Joe. All them fighters. See, Golden Boy just signed Gamboa, so. That puts him in the mix with all these guys, okay? Mm. <laughs> so, mix it, Joe, styles make fights. When you put any of them guys fighting each other, it's always going to be a good fight, so I'm not complaining. I don't give a shit who any of them four or five guys <laughs> fight each other. I don't care. As long as, long as they fight, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, the super featherweight division is really heating up. It almost seems like most of the badasses from featherweight well, they they moved up. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. this is turning into one of the one of the hottest divisions in all of boxing. And uh, so, oh, Gogi, what do you please. what do you expect with this fight? And obviously, we're not going to meticulously break down this matchup. Um, yeah, as specifically Joe, as we did uh, Joe, the main event of the evening. But Gogi, go ahead. Look at all look at all those feather featherweights that are going to be moving up. Two guys like Santa Cruz, Frampton. Uh, mm. You know all the. Uh, who else they got in the featherweight division? Uh, uh, I can't remember. Uh, Gary Gary Russell Jr. Gary Russell, yeah. Oscar Valdez. Oh my God, mm. this is gonna it's just gonna make it even more enticing when all these uh, other you know featherweights move up to junior lightweight. Oh jeez. Oh, then Lomachenko. Okay, he's king. <laughs> okay. Yep. Hey Joe, that's what that's what you gotta do to get them the division hot. You gotta get top-level fighters, okay, in, in one weight division, okay, with great styles uh, to make great fights. And that's what gets fans, fans excited, okay? All right? It's not the heavyweight division where, you know, just one or two guys, then the other are just then – the, then the other 95% is garbage, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, it, uh, that's what makes boxing, you know, it's competition at its best, not only in quality but quantity. So there's a lot of guys, man, you know. Uh, all those featherweights like Gary Russell, uh, Santa Cruz, Frampton, 
Selby, all them, all them guys at 126. You know what I mean? They want to, you know, they want, they want to make some money. Get into that 130, get get into that 130 pound weight division, okay? Because you know, huh, Joe, it, uh, don't you agree? It's becoming a very, very hot division. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, we just had a new newly crowned champion, the IBF title holder now. Mr. Javonta Davis in the mix as well. Oh, this this I is a very, about that very guy. yeah. This <laughs> this is turning into a very, very deep division, and it's one of the more exciting. When you look at the perspective, the the projected matchups, the possible matchups. Yeah, this is a very exciting division, um, oh. and this is and this is these are just two more players in this division. This is a great matchup, Gogi. What do you expect to see with Takashi Mira versus Miguel Roman? Same thing as Vargas and the other guy. All right. Okay. All right. That's so it all comes down to the mentality and the character of the fighter. And that's what these guys do. They're fighters. None of this sweet science, uh, you know, you see on the Mayweather pad where you know, all them choreographed moves that you see. Uh, Jake, what's that guy? Jake Gillingham uh, on, on, on Southpaw? Yeah. Jake oh, Gyllenhaal. He, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> you know, you, you saw. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, these are fighters, okay? You know, they're not scared to take chances, okay? That's what I'm trying. It's the attitude and character of these fighters, you know. And, and you're going to see another brawl, you know what I mean? Another, you know, uh, two guys go at it, and uh, uh, the tougher, uh, uh, the tougher guy that could take the best punches, <laughs> How gonna, is going to win the fight and everything. And, and plus, you know, Mira, oh, God, that left hand of his is what you call, uh, I call it a home run hitter, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, anytime during the fight, he could put your lights out and everything, okay? He doesn't have the greatest defense in the world, Mira, okay? Another guy that went to the Yori Boy Campus School of Defense, okay? He blocks punches <laughs> with his face. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was – Taught defense by the great legend Yori Boy Campus. Okay, doesn't know how to slip punches. Hell, I don't even think he knows how to move his head. I don't even think moving his head is in his in his boxing dictionary. Okay, uh, he doesn't have great reflexes. <laughs> Flat-footed, heavy feet, stays right in front of you. You know, hands down. Oh God, my type of fighter. <laughs> and, he take, and he could take punishment. Hey, Joe. Oh, that I love it. Joe, that mirror is one tough dude. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was, when you look back in, in which, you know, in Francisco Vargas' title-winning effort uh, against Takashi Mira, which was a fight of the year, when you look back at that fight, Takashi Mira was having his way with the current champion. Yeah. And it took a dramatic turn of events to, well, win him the title. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's how tough Takashi Mira is. And you know what, Joe? I never thought much of Mira, man. When they made that fight, I'm like, eh, that guy's nothing, man. <laughs> Vargas is going to walk right through him. That Japanese sushi maker ain't going to do shit to Vargas. But when they fought, I'm like, holy shit. I watched him tape of Mira. I wasn't impressed. I go, that guy's nothing, man. I told Don Chargan, he ain't got shit. Vargas is gonna Vargas is gonna walk through him and knock him knock him out and man when the fight started I'm like Jesus that mirror can fucking hit 
Oh, he hit Vargas. <laughs> and, and Vargas went down on my and Bar hey, Joe, Joe, don't forget, Vargas was ballsy what do you call it? Ballsy, big hearted guy that he is. He survived that round. Mm -hmm. He almost stopped it. Now yep. what we talked about before, Joe, fighters these days, they can't handle the, the high level of intensity adversity. Uh, when 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 it hits them in a uh, in a fight, okay. Let me give you an example. I see fighters now. You know, when you know something goes wrong in a fight, they get dropped. You know, you can see them start panicking, giving up, and and, and wanting to quit in the fight. Okay, they don't have that mental intestinal fortitude, that mental toughness uh, to forge ahead and keep going in the fight and to turn the momentum around. Okay. Uh, that's what I see nowadays. I, I rarely see fighters that can handle uh, level one, two, three, four, uh, level four uh, adversity situation, situations in a fight, okay? Just like a hurricane. You got tropical storm. You got level hurricane, uh, you know, level one, two, three, four, five, okay? And the same thing in a fight. There's different, level, different levels of adversity a fighter faces in a fight, okay? And... Gotti and Ward, hey, that was a level five, pure and simple. Uh, I had Raul Marquez versus uh, Keith Mullins when he defended his title. That was level five, a fight where he took five bad cuts in the fight. Uh, I had to take him to, we took him to the emergency room after the fight and, you know, 110 stitches uh, to close those uh, cuts. And not only that, he had two real busted up hands that swolled up in the fight. And, uh, you know, he had to fight through the pain and adversity of the cuts and everything, you know, for, you know, five, six rounds. You know, that's mental intestinal fortitude, mental toughness. I don't see in these, in, in these fucking bitches these days that wear their pink panties, okay? <laughs> All right. Different levels of adversity. Uh, and, and Vargas can handle all types of levels of adversity in the ring. That's what I'm trying to say, Joe. He ain't these typical fighters nowadays, man. Oh, you see it, Joe. Ah, yeah, I'm like, ah, a little adversity goes in the ring. A little adversity strikes in the ring, and they start peeing their pants, uh, uh, and, and their pink panties start turning red, okay? So that's what I'm trying to say. And this Vargas and Mirror, yeah, uh, you ain't got to worry about them, you know, when it starts getting tough in there. You're going to see them dig down, and that toughness and that mental intestinal fortitude is going to come out of them. That's a fighter, Joe. That's a fucking fighter. Not these fighters nowadays. All these hot top prospects. Oh, this guy's going to be the next champion. This guy's going to be on the cover of, of Wheaties, of a Wheaties box. This guy's <laughs> going to be doing Gatorade commercials and all this shit. How do you know? The ain't been in a tough fight. How do you know these new, these so-called great prospects are going to be great? They, they never been in a tough fight. So like Don Chargan says, you don't know if you got a prospect until he passes the chin test meaning getting mm -hmm. hit on the chin, facing adversity in this ring, and the different levels of diversity. That's what I'm trying to say, Joe. That's a fighter, man. Vargas is a – he's a fighter. Siri, Salido, he's a fighter. Mira, that's a fighter, okay? Them are fighters, man. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what boxing in its true essence is. Jake LaMotta versus Sugar Ray Robinson, the same Valentine's Day master – if you fans out there that are listening, go watch that. You're like, oh, my God, they fought 15 rounds, I can't remember, in, 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 with, with eight-ounce gloves. And the fight was so damn great. There was such a demand for that fight. You know what they did, Joe? They fought three weeks later. They didn't take oh my gosh. Off. 
They didn't take a week off and go to Hawaii for six months and lay under the sun so their, so their face could heal. You know what I mean? They went out there and got it on six weeks later. That's the level of toughness, man. I don't see in this, uh, the, these uh, era of fighters. I, I seen it coming up when I got in this, when this racket in the 80s, okay? That's the level of them that they had, that old school toughness. Nowadays, you know, these fucking fighters, like Manuel Stewart said, they're more, they're more focused on uh, strength and conditioning, you know, jumping up and down boxes. Uh, uh, you know, using them, uh, them, uh, the medicine ball, I mean, them, uh, what are them, rubber bands, uh, you know, uh, or doing all those yoga and, uh, uh, you know, and the Pilates exercises and all that. And that ain't, and, 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 and that's good and dandy. Uh, no, no disrespect to that. That's good and dandy. But the focus should be on boxing training when you're getting ready for a fight. You get you in that mental, physical, and um, mental state, you know, to prepare yourself if you have to go through a war like Mira, like uh, Vargas. Does like Orlando Salido, Joe. That's why that hundred pound, thirty pound weight division is hot, Joe. Oh, I just hopefully one more year, all the other guys can move up, and Vargas is not shot. Orlando Salido ain't shot, mm. so they can you know match match him up against him. I like to see Orlando. I like to see Santa Cruz against Vargas next year. You know what I mean? Mm. Wow, I tell you what, that would be incredible. But guys, there's your fight card on HBO World Championship Boxing. This Saturday night, January 28th, uh, with a start time. The broadcast is going to begin at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Um, guys, you're listening to World Week Radio. Uh, I'm Joseph Heron. And guys, we're chatting with three-decade fight trainer, Mr. James Gogi, And he's getting ready to break down the Showtime fight card. Oh! Um, this, once again, Saturday night at the same exact start time, Gogi. As the HBO broadcast, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. But this, you know, where are the HBO fight cards? Well, it's going to prove to be an all-action scrap. I can't, I can't envision either one of these two matches disappointing. But the higher-level, elite-level matchup, well, you have to give that to Showtime. And it's a great one, guys. In your main event of the evening at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada... Wow, the rematch, Carl the Jackal Frampton is going to be defending his WBA uh, featherweight title against Leo Santa Cruz, the former champion. This, the first fight was exceptional, Gogi. Do you see this one oh. playing out the same way? Styles make fights, Joe. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay, but what do you call it? A zebra strikes. But, uh, what do they say? A zebra stripes don't change colors. Okay. Mm, Style there you have fights. it. Fights you can't change. You can't change it. You uh, uh, unless one of them all some, suddenly turns into a bitch. Okay. <laughs> Which I doubt. <laughs> all right. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be an action packed fight, just like the first fight, uh, which was which was candidate of the year. I'm excited about the fight because I suspect Carl Frampton, the Jackal, is gonna bring bring in a lot of fans from England. I mean, a lot of fans from the U.K., Ireland, uh, who I consider uh, the U.K. fans the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world, the uh, best pound-for-pound pound fans in the world. And I, I, I really believe he's going to bring a lot of fans in, over there, fans in from uh, Boston and uh, in the New York area, you know, the, you know, the, just like Ricky Hatton did when he fought Floyd Mayweather when he brought in 25,000 Brits to support him. Oh, just tremendous fans, Joe. And if, Santa, if that's the case, well, what's, you know, what's Santa, uh, Santa Cruz's excuse going to be? 
oh man, uh, he had more, you know, oh man, he had the home field advantage. Bullshit, he just got more fans than you, Leo. No excuses this time, baby. No excuses. You know what? That is a very, very good point. It's like you look at the very first fight last year, uh, which took place last year, and even yeah. though it was in America, is at the Barclays Center, and and Gogi, Carl Frampton had more fans, a lot more fans. They all, the Brits, all showed up to support their man um, from uh, from Northern Ireland, and. Yeah, it, it, even after the fight, Leo Santa Cruz stated that, yeah, I wish we could have, I was the champion, I wish we could have staged this fight on the West Coast because I felt like the visiting fighter. <laughs> he's he's the American, or he's the one who lives in America, and, and he's he's saying that he feels like the visiting fighter. Yeah. Wow. Wow, and it, it was... <laughs> that's what happens when you got Al Heyman as a manager that don't know how to get you hot that don't know how to ve- develop you into a ticket seller that don't know how to develop your fan base okay Al Heyman has a lot to do with this Joe all those easy fights that Leo had prior to the Frampton mm. fight okay didn't grow his fan base because Joe when you're coming up and you're, and you're in sizzling fights okay and you're in highly competitive fights and you're winning and you're looking good, your fan base is going to automatically grow. But, you know, but all of a sudden, you know, Al wanted to, you know, protect his uh, son, Leo, and put him, on, put him in all these easy fights, easy paydays. That turned a lot of fans off. He got a lot of criticism for that. Ah, oh, man, when are you going to fight somebody? When are you going to fight somebody? It ain't Leo. Leo's going to do what Al tells him. It's that bitch, poison, Al Heyman, you know, the biggest piece of shit in boxing the last 30 years. That, you know, has a lot to blame for that, okay? Just like Earl Spence. Look at poor Earl Spence, man. Waiting around for a fight. Waiting around for a fight. A special talent like that shouldn't be on the shelf. He should be fighting all the time. Uh, uh, growing his fan base, okay? Getting, impre- grow, uh, getting impressive wins on his credentials, you know? Uh, you know, what is he doing? He's sitting on the shelf wondering when he's going to fight again, okay? All right, a special talent uh, like Earl Spence. Well, well-spoken, marketable kid, humble, great action style. Gives the fans what he wants. You know, it's just, you know, Al Heyman, you got to blame him for this. He's their advisor. Yep, that's that's true. That's true. Um, so, Gogi, I'll tell you what. Um, let's take a look. I mean, first of all, let, <laughs> let's take a look at the um, – uh, hold on, Gogi. I'm going to edit this out, buddy. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit this out, man. Hold on. Hey, Joe. Yeah, hold on. So far, the show's um, going good. Yeah, you've been you you're doing a great job, man. It's just I'm I'm sick, so I've been Step I've been hitting game, the mute. Joe. Yeah, Step I know. I, I know, brother. I've been hitting the mute button and sneezing and coughing this whole time. You haven't heard it, have you? No. Nah. Good. Okay. Hold on. All right. See, I just did one right now. Okay. <laughs> Thank God for the mute button. Okay. So, Gogi, let's prepare everyone for this fight and take a look at the tail of the tape for the incumbent champion, Carl the Jackal Frampton. He comes into the ring at age 29, fights out of the orthodox stance. He stands only five foot five inches tall in the center of the ring, fights 162-inch reach, 
from Belfast, Northern Ireland, comes into the ring with a perfect record. 23 wins, zero losses, zero draws, 14 big wins coming by way of knockout. Gogi, what are the strengths and weaknesses of Mr. Carl Frampton? Oh, the strengths is high boxing IQ. He's one of boxing's best chess players, Terrence Crawford. Uh, Andre Ward, Floyd Mayweather, okay? He has the ability to think himself. No, to outthink his opponents in the ring. That's what I'm saying. Because of his high boxing IQ, okay? Uh, Controls range and distance beautifully. And it all starts with his footwork. His belly move in and out of range, Joe. He does that so beautifully. In fact, Leo Santa Cruz had a big problem with that. uh, In one of the interviews I was listening to, uh, that threw him off his game plan. Uh, His ability to use different variations of jabs, okay, Joe? Uh, To control your range along with his footwork, Okay. Uh, power jabs, speed jabs, touch jabs, pinya with jabs and, you know, body, head, mixes his, up, his, mixes up uh, the target he is with that jab, okay? Uh, the feint, uh, what do you call it, Joe? Uh, ch- uh, changing the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, what, what he'll do, he'll, he'll hit you hard with the jab to the body just to, you know, to slow you down. Then he'll come back. And faint you. Then he'll come back with a hook right hand. He uses his jab to set up his combinations beautifully. That's what I'm trying to say, Joe. Uh, the variations of his jabs he uses beautifully to set up his combinations. To set up his counters, okay? Uh, when you're coming in, Joe, sharp counter puncher. Straight right hand, he'll catch you coming in. Uppercuts, he'll catch you coming in. Counter check left hooks. Uh, the dude throws every punch in the book. And he counters with every punch in the book, Joe. Just like I said, Joe, he has a boxing high IQ. He has the ability to outthink you in the ring, okay? He, he plays chess at, a, at, at the highest level, you know. And uh, like I said, he's one of boxing's best chess players. And to do that, Joe, you've got to have a high boxing IQ, okay? To do everything he does, to use a different variation of jabs, uh, uh, changing the speed of, speed of his jabs, the, po- uh, the intensity and the power of his jabs, uh, hitting uh, hitting you uh, with different ja- uh, hitting you with different types of jabs on different uh, to different parts of your body the different things he throws at you the sharp counters oh Joe man you got to have a high boxing IQ to do that you got to be able to think fast on your feet not within seconds within tenths of a second okay to you know, to adjust uh, to adjust your game plan in that ring that's what he does Joe he has the ability to uh, to make those adjustments uh, at, at a high level uh, you know rapid speed within tenths of a second. And, uh, you know, just as, like I said, Joe, that's the strength, Joe. It's just, uh, you know, now people say, man, all Leo has to do is just put pressure on him. It's not that easy. The dude can hit. And if you get careless like Leo did in his last fight, he can hurt you. Okay? Now, one thing I've seen Frampton improve on is ability to fight in the pocket. Uh, not as proficiently like Leo Santa Cruz, but just with the basic fundamental skill sets he needs to stop Leo's pressure and momentum coming forward, uh, flatten his tires, Joe. He knows how you know he can flat. He knows how he knows how to fight in the pocket with basic skill sets to flatten Leo's tires, where he loses that momentum coming forward. And I've seen that in the, his last fight when he fought quick. He had problems mm. in, with that pressure in the later rounds because I always thought quick uh, when that fight was made when, when we did it, Joe. I told you the distance that fight is. That is going to determine who wins the fight. I thought if Frampton 
fought on the uh, Frampton fought on the outside. He controlled range and distance better than Quick because of his high boxing IQ, footwork, jab, variations of jab, counter punching. I thought he would give Quick problems, which I, I was right. But I thought when Quick took it in the pocket, I thought that's where Fram, Frampton was weak at. I didn't think he had the skill set to fight in the pocket. Okay. And Frampton, I mean, Quick took advantage of that, but it, hey, you know, by the, by the time he did that, it was too, li- too, too little too late. But he learned from the next fight, Joe. And when he fought Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz tried to test his manhood. Santa Cruz tried to bully him. He met him, he met him in the pocket at his own terms and, and fought him tit for tat. Neutralized his pressure. Uh, any momentum Santa Cruz was trying to get. And what did he do after that, Joe? Smart, intelligent. High IQ fighter like Frampton did, he took took one step back and took a, took the fight back on the outside where he wanted it. Oh, that Frampton is one bad dude, man. Joe, it takes high boxing IQ to fight like that. Okay, to diff, to mix up your tactics, your different vari- variations of game plans, and keep changing them up like he's doing. Okay, that's what he does. Mayweather does that beautifully defensively. He mixes up his defense. Sometimes you'll see a shoulder roll. Sometimes you'll see a hard guard deep, high guard defense. Sometimes you'll see that head and upper body movement. Sometimes you'll, you'll see those his fast footwork moving in and out of range. And sometimes you'll see the, you know, the, the, the quick counters he likes to hit you with, uh, the, pull right, the pull counter right hand, the check left hook, and them jabs coming up and down your body. Okay? Oh, yo, it takes a high boxing IQ to do that. Would you agree? Oh, ab- absolutely. And, and Gogi not only was it a real shock to a lot of, well, people who were actually betting on Leo Santa Cruz to win the first fight that Carl adopted or seemed to pick up that skill set, the ability to fight in the pocket proficiently, um, Mm -hmm. because he seemed to get the better of the exchanges, um, Mm -hmm. which was a real surprise. But also the power of Carl Frampton, the ability to get Leo Santa Cruz's attention at 126. Um, You know, what is, uh, I I tell you what, let's, let's take, since we've already uh, examined the strengths and weaknesses of Carl Frampton, let's, let's take a look because we have a lot of questions. Well, swirling around, well, Leo Santa Cruz this time around, see what, see what kind of changes he's going to make. Um, necessary changes in order to win his title back. So let's take a look at the tell of the tape before we examine his strengths and weaknesses of Leo Santa Cruz, the former WBA uh, featherweight champion, El Terremoto. He comes into the ring at age 28. He fights out of the orthodox stance, uh, stands five foot seven and a half inches tall in the center of the ring, fights behind a 69-inch reach, originally from Mexico. He now resides out of Rosemead, California. Comes into the ring with a very impressive resume. 32 wins, one loss, one draw, 18 big wins coming by way of knockout. Gogi, uh, strengths and weaknesses of El Terremoto, Mr. Leo his Santa strength. Cruz. Oh, his strengths are in the pocket, Joe. When he's in the pocket consistently, he grounds and, uh, he grounds and pounds on you like Vargas. Beautiful combinations. Body, head. Head body, and he throws them. He throws them combinations in, in different uh, variations. Okay, he's a creative combination puncher, like like Sweetie Pie Canelo. Okay, he has more skill 
and more uh, and, and and more tact uh, fighting in the pocket. When he, I don't know lately, you know, because he's been fighting easy fights. But when he fought against that uh, uh, that South African, when he won the title against him, uh, the bantamweight title, oh, he looked just marvelous. Okay, technically sound in the pocket, you know, sets his feet good, has his hands up, elbows tucked in, throws his punches. Short, sharp, crisp, compact. Okay, nothing that none of that wide shit. Okay, uh, throws them beautifully too. Uh, uh, in different combinations, the uppercuts, hooks, hooks back to the body, body goes back to the head, hits you from different different angles with all those punches. You know, the 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 left hooks, the right hooks, uh, steps at angles and hits you with punches. Oh, just all around. It's all around uh, offensive uh, attack in the pocket. You know, I used to see, I used to love about him and everything. His defense was good, too. He always had his high, his defense, high guard defense, real tight, like Winky Wright, you know, uh, did when he fought against uh, Tito Trinidad, when he fought against uh, Sugar Shane Mosley, okay? That's his strength, Joe. Uh, you know, outside, he's a good, you know, he's a good boxer against guys he can outbox, guys like uh, Abner Mars and stuff like that. But uh, but against one of the game's best chess players at range, uh, it ain't going to work. So what it, what happens, Joe? When the fight's at range, if it ain't if it ain't working at range, hey, you got to go to Plan B, okay? And that's going in the pocket, where that's the strength, and that's what he's got to do, Joe. Uh, I would, like the last fight. I said, what determines this fight is where the distance is going to be fight at consistently during the fight. If it's fought consistently in the pocket, round after round after round, I, I advantage Santa Cruz. Frampton now he showed me that he could fight in the pocket, but he doesn't like doing it for long durations of time. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not, that's not his comfort level. Okay, long durations of time, you're gonna see him. You're gonna see his deficiencies in his inside game, but he does it just enough just to neutralize your pressure, your momentum coming forward, and you know flatten, and then he'll flatten the tires with good body shots, then he'll take it back out of range. But uh, but uh, long durations of time, I'm going with Santa Cruz. You know, so in the pocket, so that's a strange joke. Uh, you know his weaknesses, Joe. I say his weakness is not his fault. His uh, his level of competition he's fought in, uh, before Santa, uh, before he fought Franco in his last fight. Al Heyman putting him in all the easy fights, man. In boxing, there's an old saying, "Iron sharpens iron." Well, mm-hmm. in Leo's case, his iron wasn't being sharpened because he was fighting all these, you know, big time stiffs, which didn't do nothing for his career. Number one, it didn't sharpen sharpen his iron. Number two, it didn't grow his fan base. Okay. And then, you know, he found that out when he went to New York. He found that Carl Frampton had a bigger fan base than him. And that might be the case in, in, in Las Vegas. Because Frampton, I suspect he's going to be a big, boisterous fan base over there. And, you know, you know, you know, you know fans can affect judges, you know. So, but anyway, yeah, that's uh, pretty much the nutshell of, uh, you know, uh, O'Leo. I like Leo. Good friend. I like Leo and everything. I'm not, you know, uh, what do you call it, disrespecting him or bad-mouthing him. I'm just giving him my honest, professional opinion on what I, you know, uh, uh, about, you know, how we're analyzing this fight. I don't blame him none at all, man. He's a great guy. Uh, oh, one of the nicest people. If you ever, you fans out there, if you ever meet him, one of the nicest, greatest people you ever meet. You know, real uh, warm and humble and everything. Uh, my, uh, Like I said, I my concern was, uh, I think he regressed because of all those easy fights Al gave him for a couple of years and everything, and and it's not his fault. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's you know you, you gotta you know you gotta look at the person that pulls the trigger and everything. 
But, you know, Al is gaining financial security, you know, so you can't take away, you can't take away, take, take away that from the kid. Al, you know, has turned his family's life around, you know, where they used to be very, very poor. Now their life is very, very comfortable. So, you know, you got to thank Al for that, you know what I mean, for uh, giving his family uh, uh, financial security. Yeah, indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a look at uh, um, the betting odds for this one, Gogi. Um, now, what, where would you say, I mean, did, obviously leading into the first fight last year, Leo Santa Cruz was the slight betting favorite. Um, you know, and you would expect, because of the brilliant showing of Carl Frampton, right, in the, in the first fight, that, yeah, he would justifiably be the favorite. Considering the Vegas venue, right, the, the, the site, it, it's the fight is going to be held about an hour and a half away from L.A., right, two mm-hmm. hours away from L.A., right? Um, mm-hmm. And you look how far that is away from Great Britain. Um, do you think that, yeah, do you think this is even money? Do you think Carl Frampton should be a two-to-one favorite at least? Because right now in most racing sports books, Carl Frampton is sitting at a minus 160. Leo, Sanfer- uh, Leo Santa Cruz with the betting differential is listed as a plus 135. That's pretty much even money, Gogi. This is reminding me somewhat of Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev going into this fight. Um so please rattle off the case. First of all, do you agree with the betting lines? And second of all, what does Leo Santa Cruz have to do to win his title back? Well, the betting lines, yeah, I would I would agree with it. You know what I mean? Uh, he, you know, they think Leo's coming. Uh, Frampton's is coming into you know Leo's backyard this time, but we'll see by the number of fans that turn out. Uh, as far as uh, like I said when I was explaining the strengths and weaknesses of Leo uh, Santa Cruz, just like the last fight, okay, when I, what I determined what was going to win the fight is the consistency where the, where the distance, they're, where the consistency where the distance both combatants were, were fighting at. And last fight, the, uh, the fight, the, when they fought, the distance was at long range, Okay. And it's going to be the same thing in this fight, Joe. It ain't going to change. You know what I mean? It's going to be the consistency where, uh, at the distance where both fighters are going to be fighting at. And if Leo fights in the pocket, round after round for long durations of time, I give, I you know, I could uh, see him pulling out a victory and everything. Okay? Because I think, you know, during for long durations of time, he's just I think uh, he's a more proficient, efficient. In, inside a fighter in the pocket than Frampton, okay? Frampton showed me that he could do it, but not, I, he hasn't shown me that he could do it, you know, for, you know, for long durations of time. So that's that's what Leo got to do to win the fight. He's got to take it in the pocket and just be Leo, putting this combination together to the body, head, head, body, and, and put it together with different variations and be creative with this combination, just like, oh, sweetie pie Canelo, okay? That's what he's got to do to win the fight. So, yeah, you know, I mean, because one of the things that really, well, got Leo's attention is, yeah, he he was getting tagged on his way in while he was trying to actually close the distance. It turned him into yep. somewhat of a tentative fighter, a more tentative version of Leo Santa Cruz. And in my opinion, that was ultimately the difference in the fight. Um, yeah. What does he have to do to keep from getting hit by that incoming or the sharp 
right-hand counters from Carl Frampton? Well, Frampton is a, what do you call it? A counterpuncher. How do you how do you neutralize a counter? How do you uh, neutralize a counterpuncher's timing and rhythm uh, when you're trying to put the pressure? Faints. 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 Good faints. Head movement uh, and good jabs. A lot of jabs. Either you know, stepping with good hard power jabs. When Leo gets the distance right, stepping with good hard power jabs. Uh, if you don't hit him in his head, head, try throwing that power jab to the chest or the stomach. And, and you know, head movement, feints, uh, and the jabs in his face, Joe. Anytime you're closing the distance on a fighter, if you just walk in there naked like uh, like that great defensive master, uh, Yori Boy Campus, you're going to get punched on the face. <laughs> <laughs> Plain and simple. Yori Boy Campus had the worst defense I've ever seen in a fighter. All he, you know, he had no jab coming in, had no head movement, had no footwork. All he did, you know, all he didn't know, well, faint, a faint. What the hell was a faint? He didn't, he couldn't even spell faint. But anyway, <laughs> he had none of that stuff. And he walked in and got, he, and he, he took, and he took a shellacking for that. Well, that's the thing with Santa Cruz. Closing the distance on this guy, Frampton, he's got to be intelligent. That's where boxing IQ comes in, Joe. You got to know how to use your feints. You got to know how to use uh, your, the different variation of jabs. You got to know how to move your head closing that distance. You know, you got to know how to cut off the ring on this damn Frampton. What a tricky, tricky, sneaky guy he is with his footwork. You know, and he knows how to maneuver around the ring. He knows how to, uh, uh, you know, use angles, use uh, boxing in circles, pivot around you, and everything, just to keep neutralizing your forward, uh, uh, your forward press attack that Leo Santa Cruz is going to be putting on him and everything, okay? All right? So he's got, to, he's got to cut out the damn ring first, Joe, before he gets inside. And he's got to close the distance effectively and intelligently. And you usually do that with starts with good footwork, starts with good uh, good feints to disrupt the timing and rhythm of, Santa, uh, of, of Frampton so he can't counter effectively, good jabs, different rate, variation of jabs, good power jabs, a lot of touch jabs in Frampton's face, okay? When, when, when you're pressing a guy... And you're putting that a lot of touch jabs in his face. You're not—it's not hitting him. You're just blinding him. It, it, you know, it prevents you from countering. You know, and and uh, what do you call it, Joe? Uh, basically, a head movement too. You know, yeah, move his head, flip those punches coming in. Okay, just don't get hit by those in, the incoming coming in. Then if he if he practiced that in training and really worked hard on that, closing the distance intelligently with his footwork jabs, feints, uh, different variation of jabs, you know, stuff like that, head movement. Hey, he'll get hit less coming in, and then Joe he could go to work. Okay, and then it'll make him less tentative and wanting mm. to close the distance. It'll make him less tentative and wanting to close the distance to win the fight. Indeed, and I, I tell you what, let's take a look at Carl Frampton now. I mean, you look at the brilliant elite level performance that he put forth, um, really stating his case not only for fight of the year honors in 2016, but for being one of the best technicians in in the entire sport. Does he have to change anything, Gogi? If you were training Leo Santa or uh, Carl Carl the Jackal Frampton, would you recommend doing anything differently? Or should should fight fans expect to see the same exact game plan from Carl Frampton this Saturday night? Uh you ain't gonna change Carl Frampton. That's who he is. You know I- one of the game's best chess players. Just keep doing, doing, do what he has to do, using his control, range, and distance. Keep, keep, 
distance on Leo Santa Cruz as much as possible because that's where you're most effective at, you know, with those uh, with those different variations of jabs, the sharp counters from uh, from range. Uh, what do you call it? The combinations from uh, range he throws beautifully, you know, off those off those feints, off those different different variation of jabs, and just uses footwork uh, intelligently like he did his last fight. Uh, he stayed out of he stayed off the ropes consistently. He stayed out of the corners. Uh, he kept he kept everything in you know in the center of the ring as uh, much as possible. And that's what you got to do, Joe. When you do that, when you're when you're consistently off the ropes, when you're consistently out of the corners, and you're keeping everything in in the center of the ring, well, guess what, Joe? You control the real estate, you know, the, which gives them the ability to control range and distance. That's what he wants. So that's what that's all you got to do, you know, just be be what's in there, be uh, to be smart and intelligent because he knows Leo is going to be bringing it, okay. Uh, he knows Leo's going to be bringing it. And me, I just, you know, mix up the different counters I would hit Leo coming in with. Uh, you know, don't be so, you know, don't be so one-dimensional in, in one punch. Uh, the, don't, don't depend on one punch uh, to counter Leo, Leo with when he's coming in. You know, mix up your different uh, methods of uh, different variation of uh, counter punches of Leo coming in, like the check left hook, sneak, you know, uh, sneak, uh, sneak them right uppercuts coming in. Sneak to you know the counter right hands coming in. Uh, uh, counter right uppercuts coming in. S- sneak in a one two. You know different mix the different types of uh, counter punches uh, you're gonna hit Leo coming in with. Uh, you know to keep them off guard. You know so because man some fighters you know they they're one dimensional with their punches when they're trying to counter you. When you when you put pressure on them, a lot of them just try to counter you with a, a counter check left hook, and then that's all they got. Well, a good mm. fighter is going to adapt to that. A good fighter is going to adapt to that, of course. Take that away, and if you ain't got another uh, effective counterpunch in, in your weapon of art, uh, your weapon of uh, your arsenal of weapons, well, guess what? <laughs> you in trouble. So that's what you mm. know. That's what Frampton's got to do. Just mix up his variation of counters uh, to uh, you know to make himself not so predictable. To keep uh, Leo thinking and hesitant and coming in the pocket. That's what I'm trying to say, Joe. Indeed. So, Gogi, how do you see this one playing out? Who wins and why? Ah, same as last time. I think mm. Leo's going to try to really bring it to him early, and you know that's when you're, he's going to really try to bring it to him early. Uh, you know, put that heavy pressure on Frampton. Frampton, you know, cool and calm, a veteran. Uh, you know, keeps his composure and poise real, real good. I think he'll be able to overcome that. You know, that fast starter, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, and you know, fight his fight. That's what uh, that's what uh, Frampton wants to do. Fight his fight, which is controlling range and distance, using his high boxing IQ uh, to outthink Leo uh, every time, uh, every time, every moment during the fight. Make those quick uh, game plan uh, adjustments that that he's good at. That's what a person with high boxing IQ, Joe, does. They make them quick game plan adjustments within the tenth of a second. Okay, only the you know only the elite level fighters do that. Okay. Okay, they make whether it's defensively or offensively, they know how to you know they know how to adjust, and I think it's going to be the same you know type of fight. Look, certain fighters out there always give you problems. Okay, certain uh, certain uh, certain rivals give you problems. Esteban de Jesus was was Roberto Duran's biggest pain in the ass when they fought. It's just es- mm. de Jesus style, his boxing, mm. his counter punching. Uh, Duran couldn't get a. A, a good feel, a good uh, feel for his timing and rhythm and, 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 and his style and everything. And, you know, it threw Durant off. 
when they fought. He always gave Duran a tough fight. In fact, uh, he gave Duran his first loss, okay? It took Duran mm-hmm. a while, you know, the second and third fight to kind of, you know, figure figure out the haces and everything, to figure out his timing, his rhythm, uh, uh, his game plan, you know, what he was trying to do. You know, just certain fighters out there, uh, you know, give you give you problems. And it's, uh, it's going to be the same thing with this. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, you know, uh, a style like Frampton, you know, that in and out, uh, intelligent footwork, intelligent variation of jabs, co- combinations, counters, uh, uh, intelli- uh, high high ring IQ to make a uh, to change his game plan, you know, within a tenth of a second, and you know, you know variation of uh, punches he throws, counters. Uh, it's going to be something hard for Leo Santa Cruz uh, to overcome, and I I uh, predict, uh, you know, uh, and still. <laughs> what, 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 what belt is this for, Joe? It's, uh, it's for the WBA featherweight championship. The regular champion or the super champion? <laughs> it's the super WBA. You know, it's sad that we actually have oh, to include that God. that tidbit uh, of information. The super yeah. WBA featherweight championship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well so, whatever. Everybody knows this is the real <laughs> featherweight title at the WBA. Okay. This is uh, <clears throat> everybody knows this is for featherweight supremacy in the world. Whoever wins this fight is is the man at featherweight, okay? I don't need no fucking belt to tell me who the real champion is, okay? I don't need no belt. There, I don't need no interim <laughs> champion, backyard champion, uh, toilet bowl champion to let me know who the real champion is, okay? <laughs> this is it. All right? This is it. <laughs> and there you have it, guys. There's your main event of the evening on Showtime World Championship Boxing in the co-main event, Gogi. Wow, this is a really intriguing event. Mikey Garcia returns and fights for the first time at 135 pounds. Hmm. This is going to be his very first fight at, in the lightweight division, and he's fighting for a major world title. This is a battle of undefeated guys. He's going to be taking on Dejan Zlatichinin from Montenegro. And uh, Gogi... Am I seeing things? But the odds makers have this only a two-to-one fight in favor of Mikey Garcia. Why? Well, Joe, long layoff. He hasn't had – how many fights has Mikey had in the last two or three years? One fight? I can't remember. (laughs) Uh, That has a lot to do with it. Plus, you got a champion who can hit, who's an aggressive – what do you call it, physical fighter in the mold of Francisco Vargas, Mira, Orlando Salido. Okay, guy, okay Joe? You got, uh, this champion is a hungry champion. He just won that title. He ain't going to want to give up his belt, okay? He's a, he's a two-fisted pressure fighter who can hurt you at any time during the fight. Ask Ivan Redcock, okay? Mm. Uh, the guy doesn't ha- isn't blessed with a lot of, you know, physical athletic talent, you know, uh, like you know, like you see some of these American fighters, you know, with flashy footwork, fast hands, and all that. Nah, this guy's a fighter, Joe. Like Mira, like Vargas, like Salido. Okay, he puts a lot of pressure on you. Uh, he wants that distance to be closed so he can land them big bombs, uh, overhand left, some big uppercuts, the body shots, that right hook, the straight left hand, Joe. Okay, and and he consistently applies that pressure on you and puts it on you. Okay, to get that distance, he wants to uh, to land those big bombs to to knock you out and everything. That's what this 
this guy, uh, Dijon. I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, I don't even know where the hell is, where he's from. Where's he from? Tanzania? I don't know. Where's he from? <laughs> he's from Montenegro. Where's that? Monta what? Where's that joke? <laughs> where, where, Montenegro. What? <laughs> oh, okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I didn't know where he's from. I just know this dude's a fucking fighter. Okay, like Toledo, like Vargas, like uh, Mira. Fighters, Joe. I love guys like that. And it's going to be an exciting fight. Anytime you have a guy like that fight, Joe, it's going to be an exciting fight. I don't care who he fights, okay? Uh, the guy's just a two fisted southpaw pressure fighter. Sort, you know, that's going to be coming at you like. The uh, Hall of Famer, the Raging Bull, Jake Lamada, and everything. Okay, so yeah, it's gonna be a hell of a fight. I'm excited to see that fight. And uh, oh, yeah, this is Mikey's second fight coming back in I don't know three years or whatever. So I like to see how he's gonna be able to handle a, a hard-nosed pressure fighter who can hit with both hands like this guy. Indeed, it's gonna be a tremendous fight, guys. So let's take a look at the tell the tape for the incumbent champion. Um, he comes into the ring at age 32. He fights out of the southpaw stance. He is only five foot four inches tall in the center of the ring, but he fights behind a 65-inch reach from uh, Podgorica, Montenegro. He comes into the ring with a very impressive record: 22 wins, zero losses, zero draws. 15 big wins coming by way of knockout. Um, please tell us the strengths and weaknesses of the Southpaw, I guess, moniker Dynamite, Dejan Zlatichinen. <laughs> Can hit, Joe. Can hit on the elite level, okay? Punching power, mm. both hands. Uh, uh, physical, relentless, aggressive uh, pressure he puts on you, Okay. Like all pressure fighters, like Vargas, Mira, and uh, Salido, they want to test your manhood, okay? They're bullies, okay? They want to test how much mental intestinal fortitude you have in you. So they're going to put that heavy pressure on you, and that's what this Dijon does, okay? He puts that uh, physical hard pressure on you. He wants to get close to you so he can land those big bombs, baby. That's what he wants to do, mm. okay? Uh, punching power both hands, uh, Hit hurt to the body shots with the uppercuts, the overhand right, the overhand left. He likes to throw because he's a southpaw. And uh, what do you call it, Joe? That uh, the, the right hook, that explosive right hook he throws. He's short, which is good, Joe. When you're short like that, if you stay low, you're gonna be a harder ticket, target to hit when you're coming in and everything. So that's uh, you know that's the strength of, to me. I see in that a D, D, whatever that Dijon guy. Yeah. Just <laughs> old school in your nose fighter, and that's the kind of guys I love. Yeah, you know when you look at the style matchup, Gogi. Well, this this would seem to favor the title challenger Mikey Garcia, but when you can hit like Dejan's Latichinen, yeah, look out. <laughs> oh, oh. So we're so we're gonna see Mikey is in a real fight. Let's take a look at the tell the tape of uh, Mikey Garcia before we uh, before we actually look at his um, well look at the keys to victory for everybody. But uh, Mikey Garcia, the tell the tape, he comes into the ring at age 29, fights out of the orthodox stance. He stands five foot seven inches tall in the center of the ring, fights behind a 68 inch reach 
from Oxnard, California, comes into the ring with a very impressive resume. 35 wins, zero losses, zero draws, 29 big wins coming by way of knockout. So Mikey Garcia, when he, well, before he took the hiatus and fought his last fight against Juan Carlos Burgos in January of 2014, he was considered an elite-level talent and one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in boxing. Well, he's only fought once, and this was in July of 2016. Um, yeah. Is this, uh, is this going to hurt his chances for victory, especially against a very hard puncher and his first fight at 135 pounds? Um, please give us the strengths and weaknesses for Mikey Garcia. And here, are these going to be a detriment? Are the factors that are just disclosed, are they going to be a detriment? on Saturday night. So anytime you take a big layoff like, like Mikey did, it, it, it affects your career, not only you know, monetarily, but you know, skill-wise. Like, like, I, like I always say in boxing, iron sharpens iron. When you're not, in, when you're not, there, not in there consistently uh, in real fights, sharpening your iron, your skills are going you know, your, your to get dull, they're going to erode. So you know, it, it can have, you know, it can, it can what do you call it, uh, be a factor in this fight with, what's his name, okay, uh, Dijon and everything. But Mikey Strength is a beautiful boxer, counterpuncher with power. A fighter like that, Joe, is hard to beat, okay? Mikey has beautiful footwork, man. He knows how to use his footwork intelligently. He knows how to, how, how to box intelligently, counterpunch you intelligently. Now, what Mikey does good, I, I like, is his ability to use move in and out of range and set traps, okay? You know, he'll box you, box you, you know, off, working off his jab. Then all of a sudden he sees you trying to commit, come in. He'll take a half step back and counter you with a one-two. Okay, Mikey does that so beautifully. You know, boxing you, boxing you. He, he, he shows you, he, he sees you committing, uh, meaning that you're going to attack. He'll step, take a half step, a uh, full step back, catch you coming in with a one-two, catch you coming in with a right-hand hook. Okay, he's beautiful. He's beautiful at that, you know, uh, uh, of uh, – of setting traps and countering you, okay? Uh, Mikey can hit. He can hurt you at any time during the fight, okay? Uh, you know, just just a, a beautiful all-around tactician, Joe, uh, that, you know, high boxing IQ, ha- has a high ability to, you know, uh, to think out there, uh, to make adjustments in his game plan, uh, in his strategy, what he's doing out there, okay? Yeah, so that's M- Mikey's uh, strength, uh, strengths and everything. Uh, his weaknesses, uh, I don't think he, he uh, for long durations of time, he doesn't, he can't fight in the pocket, okay? Uh, when he fought Orlando Salido, uh, you know, when Orlando Salido got up from all those uh, knockdowns and he was starting to put that pressure on Mikey going into the back half of that fight, going into championship rounds, you can see he felt uncomfortable and everything. I, I, I don't know, I don't think he, you know, me, I don't think he has a, the, the proficient skill sets to fight for long durations of time in the pocket, like Vargas, like Chavez Sr., uh, you know, uh, or Salido, you know, uh, three real highly skilled inside fighters uh, that can fight, you know, round after round, round after round with, you know, uh, for high durations of time. And Mikey, that might be, uh, you know, that's the only weaknesses I see, Joe, because if this guy uh, closes that distance effectively and, uh, and doesn't get hit, hurt by them counters, okay? And Mikey can't get this guy's attention uh, and respect. This guy's going to keep coming at you. And uh, you're going to have to fight him, Joe. 
He might have Mikey pinned against the ropes. He might have Mikey pinned against the, in the corner. He might have Mikey pinned in the pocket. Okay, you're gonna have to fight this guy. Okay, you you might have to sit down, sit down, and fight, Joe. Okay, and hurt this guy with some good shots to discourage him from keep from uh from keeping on from keeping him from to, to continue to apply the pressure he wants to. You know, he wants to break your pipe, Dijon. That's what he wants to do. Okay, there ain't no fucking secret. How he fights? There ain't no secret <laughs> game plan. You know what I mean? He's gonna do this. He's gonna he's gonna pull counter left hand. He's gonna move around you at angles. He's gonna give you the old little shake and bake and grab your butt when he's moving around you. Nah, nah. This guy's a fighter, and there ain't no secret, man. So Mikey's got a his footwork's got to be the key. Uh, his ability to think intelligently in the ring, stay off the ropes, keep everything in the center of the ring, counter punch effectively. But he's got to hurt this guy, Joe. If he don't hurt this mm. guy right off the bat, I'd be a problem. <laughs> this guy can hit, Joe. This guy can punch. Yep. This is a live fight for Mikey, okay? A great fight, too, I think. See where he's at. Indeed. Uh, Gogi, um, what is the probability of an upset here? Because obviously uh, Dejan is a champion for a reason, and he's been steamrolling over everybody. As of late, um, in his uh, ascension to the championship title. So, what is the probability of an upset here, with all factors considered, the inactivity, the lack of competition, um, especially at this level? Um, I know Mikey was an elite level talent before he took the two and a half year hiatus, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, two and a half year hiatus. Um, What's the probability of an upset here, Gogi? If he hits Mikey, he can hurt Mikey and finish Mikey off, okay? That's the upset. That's why the odds are so close, Joe. Two to one. It ain't five to one, six to one. It's a two to one. So, you know what I mean? And they're giving the edge to Mikey because, uh, you know, his name is, uh, you know, uh, his name basically, and he had more exposure than the other guy. You know what I mean? So that's why this odds are, you know, the odds are real, real close. Yeah, that, yeah like I said, Joe, when you got a two-to-one fight, that's almost, you know, you know, fifty-fifty, and, and you know, you, you you flip a coin, heads or, heads or tails. But chances of odds happening, to me, Joe, very reasonable because this guy can punch and this guy puts that nonstop pressure on you. And I really don't believe Mikey. If he can't hurt this guy, Mikey ain't got no skill set to, to fight in the pocket to get this guy's attention and respect. So we'll see. But because of this guy can hit and the guy, the way he puts pressure on you, and if he hits Mikey, yeah. 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 There could be an upset, Joe. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. uh, We'll see the early I'm sorry, go ahead. If Mikey Mikey can hurt this guy and get this guy's attention, yeah, then Mikey, uh, the the odds swing in Mikey's favor. Okay. But we'll see early off the bat. And there you have it, guys. That's going to be that's going to round out your Showtime fight card, which is going to be broadcast from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it's got a 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific start time. Uh, Gogi, uh, do you have any parting shots for our listening audience at this time? Oh, you never, Joe. I didn't tell you who who I predicted that would win the fight. Did I? Um, well, you said that there could be an upset, but it's all going to be contingent yeah. on uh, the early round. So, yeah, that's yeah. good enough for us. Gogi. We'll leave it unless, like that. Okay. Uh, unless, unless you want to go out on a limb, do you feel like going out and making a bold prediction here? 
Well, you know, of course you got to give the edge to Mikey because of, you know, his, uh, you know, you know, people are more familiar with him. He's a great boxer, puncher, uh, intelligent and everything. Uh, but like I said, I've seen this Dijon guy fight a few times and just that hard pressure he puts on you. Oh, and if he does, if he uses his jab effectively, Dijon, like I said, Joe, when you're going, when you're closing the distance on somebody, some, when you're closing the distance on a fighter, and you walk in there naked like your boy Campus, you're going to get hit with shots, plain and simple. Now, if he does that with Mikey, Mikey, you know, he's landing them straight right hands, left hooks back, the left hook right hands, okay? And let me tell you, let me tell you, uh, Dijon, if he applies intelligent pressure effectively by using his footwork and using that proficient, using a hard power jab like I see he uses, when he does, Joe, when he uses his jab effectively applying pressure, uh, guys usually don't counter on him, okay? It takes, he, he takes the, uh, his opponent's ability to counter on him when he's closing distance. And if he does that, that's going to give him, uh, what do you call it, Joe, the distance he needs to get in the pocket without taking them incoming, meaning those uh, big, hard power shot, uh, counter shots by, uh, by Dijon, okay? I mean, by Mikey Garcia, you know, that, that's what I'm saying, Joe. You know he, he's gonna he's gonna avoid a lot of those incoming by Mikey Garcia them sharp, crisp power counters that he hits you with. You know what I mean? And if he could do if he could avoid that a lot, Joe, and not get caught up in them traps, Mikey's gonna set. You know when Mikey takes that little half step back and counters you with a right hand left hook or catches you coming in with a one two. If he could avoid you know those uh, traps when he's close, closing the distance and not get hit by them counters, yeah, I, you know I give the I give what's his name. Uh, what do you call it, uh, the, the odds of uh, him winning the fight, you know, uh, knocking Mikey Garcia out or hurting him, uh, I go, you know, I, I, I increase it. The odds go up, okay? But if he keeps the fight on the outside and lets Mikey control distance in the range and let Mikey pick him apart, forget about it. Mikey Garcia all night, baby, okay? Mikey all, and, you know, Mikey Garcia all night. And there you have it, guys, on behalf of three-decade fight trainer, Mr. James Gogi. I'm Joseph Heron. You've been listening to War Week Radio. Guys, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on the War Week Radio YouTube page. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, don't forget to check out Gogi's post-fight wrap-up this coming Sunday night. Have a good evening, everybody. You there, Joe? Yeah, I am. Yeah, it was long, man. You did a great job, though. I can't believe I'm having trouble stopping this recording again. Oh, fuck. Hold oh. on. Hold on, dude. Hold on. You know what? We'll see. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know why it's... it's... Hmm. Um, let me just deal with it, Gogi. I'll try to deal with it, man. Okay. Man, oh shit! Two hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. It, not yet, not yet. Um. Yeah, I don't know why it's not working, buddy. Let's try this. Hold on. Okay.
Let's try this. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.